Hello and welcome to White Lion Weekly. I know that I, I missed a week, but I'm going to try and keep this going over the Easter holidays. Um, we had a good response from our last uh, podcast with Mr. Sam Brassington, our Director of Drama at Bloxham School. So I thought, um, rather than me try and talk about what's going on or just hear my point of view, I would get another guest on the show. So today we are very lucky to have another guest. Um, he is a PE teacher, a strength and conditioning coach, a director of rugby, an old blocksmith, so not a current blocksmith. Uh, he's a man that is obsessed with self-improvement and is definitely a motivational and an inspirational person. But more importantly, he's going to be my best man at my wedding. So uh, welcome, Mr. Richmond, Mr. Brett Richmond. Good afternoon. Hi, Mr. Yates. I'm good, thank you. How's things your end? Yeah, very good. Um, it's been a lovely day and just been doing some stuff this morning. So um, looking forward to having a discussion with you and just thanks for inviting me on the pod. Yeah, it's exciting. You're, you're our first old blocksmith. So whether that's going to become a series of things, I don't know. But um, how are you keeping busy at the moment? You, you sort of in the garden? What have you been up to? Um, now, well, now we're on the kind of Easter holidays uh, period in terms of off school. I've been trying to do as much uh, opportunity to kind of reflect and learn. Um, part of that actually has come from your first podcast uh, where we, you talked about kind of opportunities to uh, learn online. So I've kind of got myself involved in a couple of open learn uh, modules. So that's kind of like the kind of free online kind of wing to the open university. So I've been doing a couple of courses online, which has been really good and really interesting. Yeah. Um, and what, been doing what courses did you do? Because I, I know because we, we both sort of did an open learn at the same time. What course did you take on there? Yeah, so the, I did. Uh, the first one was about well-being uh, within children. So how to improve and uh, kind of identify well-being within children, uh, which links obviously to my role as a teacher. And yeah. I'm doing kind of two smaller ones at the moment, which is um, a bit deep, but they've been looking at uh, depression and anxiety. So kind of okay. signs and symptoms, um, causes and ways to help, you know, in terms of treatment. So, yeah, that's been really interesting. How are you finding, because I know, because I, I sort of suggested OpenLearn and I thought I better do something on OpenLearn as well, because if I'm suggesting it, I might as well get something out of it. Um, I tried a systems management course, which was a badged course where I had to take a set series of tests. How are you finding the online platform, like the online learning? Because I know for me, it's, it's not natural to me. I want to, I want to like underline, I want to write around things. I want to highlight. How are you finding it being all online? I don't mind it. Um, the, there's things that I would have put, there's things that I would have liked to have been included. So I would have liked some kind of audio or video uh, to be added to it. It was all for, for my, those courses I've just mentioned are all kind of block, uh, just, just words. So it's just literally just literature, literature, uh, you read it, you kind of reflect, or absorb it. Uh, there's, there's a couple of uh, tasks that you complete along the way and assignments that you complete along the way. But it, yeah. it can be, it's quite, it's quite dry. But for me, that was just a case of you just dip in and out when you can and you kind of yeah. do a bit in the morning and then break and then maybe come back to it in the evening or the next day because, because it's so dry and because it's quite just heavy on the literature, you do need that opportunity just to kind of go away and rest, rest up, I suppose. Yeah, it made, it made me reflect quite a lot, which I know is something that we often talk about and we're on lots of WhatsApp groups with different coaches and teachers and things about reflection. But it made me reflect instantly about 
what the pupils might be experiencing with these online lessons because I knew, although mine was quite varied, so I had quizzes, videos, um, some a podcast to listen to, and literature. I was done. Like I could not handle more than sort of forty minutes at a time because I was finding it so intense. Of just here's the content, here's the content, here's the content. It made me reflect quite a lot on, on what we might be delivering to our pupils uh, electronically. Um, and I know, you, so you're an old blocksmith, which is so you're now working at Bedford Modern School. And how, yep. how have you been delivering your, because we've been using Microsoft Teams, it's been pretty successful, we've been delivering lessons that way. Have you done anything interesting or, or you found quite difficult delivering online content? Uh, so similar to Bloxham, we've been using Teams and it was actually something that we were probably going to roll out fully in, in September. Uh, so we already kind of had the software and we already had some teachers that were quite uh engrossed in it already so towards the kind of start to middle of March when we knew that this um, situation was about to kind of occur we we kind of learned, we had to learn very quickly we had to learn uh, on the hoof and we had to kind of uh, you know experiment and probably you know for a lot of teachers it was quite difficult it was definitely out of their comfort zone but we've been using a mixture of that and then we've been using a mixture of setting assignments or setting independent tasks and projects via just via email so just using email or you know via isams um setting those kind of independent projects uh, i'm yeah. i would say my timetable is about 95 percent practical pe so okay. i teach I, I teach pe from year three all the way through to year 11 so because we've got we've got a junior school um that's on site at Pepper modern so i only have i probably have um three separate periods a week where i see my a-level p lots so the requirement for me probably wasn't as heavy as your kind of English maths and science teacher uh, but I think the school responded really well to it and I think the, t the teaching body have responded really well to it as well which is good yeah I think that's something that's that's been reflected on Twitter and by all the teachers that we had essentially 72 hours to react to a situation and get something meaningful out of it and I think most people have done something amazing and I think teachers all around the country need to be applauded for the way that they dealt with the situation and tried to try to keep learning happening and I think a lot of people are now taking this time to reflect and try and learn as much as possible themselves and self-improvement in the intro I said about your your sort of drive towards self-improvement and I, whether you know it or not which is when we first lived together for those of you that don't know Mr Richmond um, we lived together as sports graduates uh, within our first year at Bloxham School and one of the things that always impressed me was your drive towards self-improvement, whether that's through books, podcasts, courses. It was always, what can I do today that's going to make me better than yesterday? And I think a lot of teachers have started to get sort of in that groove of right self-improvement during this time, which I think is amazing. And you've talked about OpenLearn, but any books, any podcasts, any things that you've been doing towards that self-improvement? Uh, not, nothing on the book front. I've taken the opportunity to join in in quite, quite a few uh, webinars because, like you said, so many people are either teaching or working from home or some people aren't working at all because of their situation. So there's actually been a massive movement of people to being able to get online and to be, become part of a webinar or to create a webinar. So I've done a couple over the last kind of 10 days, which have been really good. A mixture of ones from the RFU, UK Coaching, uh, non-perfect dad did a really good one last week about anxiety yeah. in children uh, the magic academy i've been doing one every wednesday evening um so i've been kind of getting involved in those uh both both from an active perspective so kind of sitting there asking questions 
being critical or just allowing it to be on in the background and you're just going to absorb as you want to. Um, and yeah. then the, the, the normal podcasts, um, I'm a big fan of quite a few podcasts. I know you're a big, big fan of Don't Tell Me The Score. So yeah. although that's, yeah. although I love, I love that at the moment, I've actually tried to put that one aside and try and find out ones which other sports or other coaches have been um, getting engrossed in. So trying to find ones that I wouldn't normally kind of associate with. Uh, so the, the two ones I'm listening to at the moment is the sports, sports Psych Show. That's with Dan Abrahams. Yep. And the coaches, the coaches coffee club with Lee Garlic. So that's more of a football one, which is quite yep. interesting. And the co- the sports psychology show is obviously uh, coming at it from a sports psychology role, uh, which again I find quite interesting and quite eye opening. It's definitely out there, isn't it? The information is out there, and I think more people are, are willing to share. And uh, I think your coaching is something that we're going to come back to towards the end of this podcast um, to talk about. But um, I don't know if you listened to the one with Mr. Brashington. Oh um, yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, so uh, you know me just as well as he does, probably. But we we are going to follow the process. We're going to stick to some very specific questions and then go off and discuss from there. So, um, as ever, I will hope to ask all of our guests these same three questions, uh, which are: What is the best piece of advice you have ever received? What is the best advice, or, or what piece of advice would you give to our sixth form pupils? Because that is sort of who this podcast is aimed at. And then to go a bit left field, talk about your favourite food. Um, so if you're ready, we'll dive straight into the first one, which is, uh, the best piece of advice you have ever received. Yeah. So I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking of whether or not it was done verbally or, you know, through experience or through people, so teachers or people that are close to me. And I was thinking the best, the best one that I could definitely relate to the most. And I think that's had probably the most profound impact was, uh, actually from a book. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but I presented to, um, I did a whole school assembly at Bloxham, probably my last year. So that would have been 2016, 2017, mm. about this book. And it was the um, legacy book by James Kerr. Yeah, the and new, the new the All Blacks. That's the one. Yeah, so I, I talked about, I talked about what can we learn from the All Blacks and what can we relate back to Bloxham and how can we kind of, how, how can it help us um, at, at a kind of educational environment and that setting. Uh, my kind of best quote from that and the one that I relate to the most is leave the jersey in a better place than you found it. Yeah. So that that'd be my that's for me, that's probably the one that has the biggest impact on me. So I suppose that links to the 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 title of the book about being towards a legacy. So yeah. how why do you think that that one hit you the most? What what is it about leaving a legacy that you think is important? Uh, I think it I think it related it relates to me both on a personal and professional level. Um, but also for me, there's loads of kind of different connotations you can take from it and you can kind of go off on tangents. But for me, it embodies the kind of responsibility and the commitment that you kind of sign up for when you get into education and, Mm. you know, you're basically, and not trying to get too deep and emotional, but you're very much, you're going to have a huge impact on, many individuals lives you know hundreds maybe thousands depending on how long you teach for of people's lives and yeah. that was resp- that kind of responsibility and commitment is is huge i think um and that kind of kind of that quote embodies that and also for me embodied that kind of continuous development so whether or not you whether or not it's a job whether or not it's a, a task or an environment or a group of people 
you always try and leave that situation, that context in a much better position than you found it. So where, you know, I'm currently at Bedford Modern and I oversee the rugby programme and I don't know how long I'll be there for. It could be, I could be there for the rest of my career, but I, for me, the biggest success criteria when I took on that role was always thinking about where is B, BMS rugby at the moment in September, 2017 and where can I take it to and where can, how can I ensure it's in a much better position than I first found it in? So yeah. I suppose that's, that's why I linked, I linked to it quite a lot on a professional level anyway. It's, it's quite a difficult one as well, isn't it? Because when you start trying to quantify, have I left it in a better place? Are you doing that sort of qualitatively? Are you doing that through sort of how players are feeling, the happiness levels, the, the amount of people that are taking part in the sport, points? Like, are you measuring it due to points, games won, games lost? I suppose that it's up to you as the, the the sort of lead towards rugby or the head of rugby to decide what success is, which is tricky. Oh yeah, that's that success for loads of people have different connotations, and I think historically in school sports, success has always been a kind of win loss ratio. Which uh, you know, for me, it's not that. It's yeah, it's important and it's important for some teams, and it's probably more important as you. The, the higher up the ladder you get in terms of, you know, first 15 rugby, et cetera. But yeah. and there's, there's been loads of studies on this. And there are, there are a few did, they released their findings last year. And I think the top three things that children enjoyed the most was being with their friends, playing, because a lot of kids sometimes don't get the opportunity to play. And I think the third thing was like had the food after a game. And like, so winning yeah. actually yeah. came, winning came quite far down in terms of what is the most important thing to you. In terms of I think your, the food your after the game, experience. the food after the game is really important. And I think that the I've only been to BMS once, but it, I was very well hosted with sausage and chips, so it was <laughs> a, a solid, solid effort from the, the post-match hosting. But I, I would say that Bloxham, with under the guise of and under the wing of Mr. Batten, have an amazing, yeah, uh, amazing uh, ability to host people and make sure they have a good time. He's. I definitely learned a lot from Mr. Batten and. Apart from it, there's many things that he's good at, but hosting and ensuring the opposition are well looked after is definitely up there. Definitely yeah, up there. and that's, I, I suppose we are both, I, I'm the, a first team coach of a hockey team. You're with a, a rugby team. We both used to be players. Um, for Well, you, you still play, but I, I don't really. But the best bits I used to love were competing. It was always about competing for me. It was, um, I, the scoreline was always really important. But if I felt like I was involved in a competitive match, I was always happy after that. I didn't really, obviously the score really matters, but um, especially if I think back to my swimming days, was I, was I competing? Was I in the top three? That was what got me hooked completely. And each child is going to have a different hook and it's up to us to try and work out what that is, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I think we talked about social media earlier. And one of the things that social media also does is highlight sometimes the kind of inequality and the ridiculous score lines that some teams have and you, you see like teams posting 60 70 80 nil wins which yeah you just think you just think who's benefiting from that is anyone actually developing is anyone getting better but yeah. first and foremost as a, as a PE teacher and as a coach I think your number one objective is to keep people involved in the game um, yeah. and if you've got it's really difficult because it's very it's so difficult to track how do people play your sport in five or ten years post post school but you want kids and you want your kind of uh, students to go on and keep playing the sport or be involved in the sport for as long as you can. 
I think that's yeah. probably the biggest that's probably the biggest proof in the pudding for me anyway. Yeah, uh, and that links back to your legacy, doesn't it? I know that uh, I've always, whenever I outline my objectives for a first team season, first one's to make it fun. Second one is to try and ensure that players are skillful enough and competitive enough to play at university level or at club level first team. That's always, that's how I like would like my legacy to be remembered is they've had a great time and they want to keep playing. Yeah, I think that's very, I think it's very sensible and also it's very realistic and accurate in terms of the position you're in. You want, yeah. like I said, you want those you want those boys to have a, boys or girls to have an amazing experience and go on to kind of love the game and also provide opportunities for them to, if they're not going to play, can they coach, can they umpire, can they become, can they still be involved in the sport? And you only stay involved in a sport if you love it, if you have that kind of intrinsic um, love of the sport. That's, you know, that you see how, it's the, it's the kind of backbone, backbone of, sport in this country is through volunteers and through people who are willing to give up their time and effort into local club sport. Yeah. So it's massively yeah. important. And I think we, we could probably turn this whole podcast into a chat about sport as well, because I think that's something that resonates both uh, with yourself and me about, I, I just think sport uh, sort of encapsulates life in a way. It's a metaphor for life in, in a way. But if I keep going with these questions, um, what piece of advice would you give to current sixth form pupils? So I'm going to have to take a quote uh, from uh, my mother here, actually. So okay. this, is Mrs. This, is, this is from Mrs. Richmond. Um, I actually gave to me, uh, I think it was around when I was doing my GCSEs, so probably around 15 when I, 15 when I started that kind of GCSE experience. Yeah. And I use this quite a lot. Don't, don't tend to tell people this, but always think about it. And that is um, success is where preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, so very that deep. for me. So, and I remember, I remember her telling me that because whereas now I'm quite keen to learn, develop, and I'd like to think I've got, I like to think that I'm academically, I can hold my own. But back then, I didn't really have a desire to kind of push on and do really well at GCSEs, A-levels and potentially uni. Um, and I think it was more of an eye opener that you go, you go through life and you have loads of opportunities put in front of you. And if you prepare well uh, for those opportunities, success will happen. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And I, yeah. I also don't believe I'm that academically gifted. Um, there's a lot of other people that I know that are close to me that are a lot more academically gifted. But I, I like to think that I prepare very well. And that's probably come because I've played sports all my life and I prepare well for my sport. But if you prepare well in terms of those opportunities that come at you, you're going to, be, you're going to put yourself in a much better position to succeed and do well. Yeah, I think that's... So at the moment, I've, I've just finished a book um, called Atomic Habits, which talks quite a lot about that, which was if you aim to be consistent in doing something really well, you're going to get a better outcome than if you just peak for like a week, two, three weeks before the before the event and it was talking about how that if you create atomic habits atomic meaning one meaning small if you create a series of small habits that get you in the right place consistently you're going to have a better outcome come the whatever it is uh, event or a level or test or thing like that yeah definitely and i suppose also quite quite relevant with what's going on at the moment and coming up to what would have been potentially the exam season. Yeah. 
um, they're definitely, definitely very relevant. So um, for me, that would be, if I was going to sit, if I was going to stand in front of the Bloxham sit form, that would definitely be my biggest bit of advice. And okay. also, also seek out the opportunities as well, because I don't think opportunities just come at you and hit you. I think they, you have to go and seek them out. And that means whether it's speaking to other people, whether or not it's volunteering, going online and finding opportunities, you have to seek them out. And those, one, those ones that you seek out tend to be the most fulfilling, I think, anyway. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's some really b- good pieces of advice there that I think will apply to our students now, but for the rest of their lives, like opportunities will, will not always present themselves. You need to go and find them uh, and make the most of every opportunity that you possibly get. So two very good sort of quite deep, but philosophical almost questions. Um, I would say that this one is less phil- philosophical, um, but is possibly more interesting uh, dependent on what the listener wants. But your favourite food, what is? Now, I know you are a lover of food. You, I think you did an assembly on food as well when you were at Bloxham. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But what would be your favourite food? Yeah, food's definitely important to me, especially yeah. being um, from a rugby background. Tends to be There tends to be an emphasis on quantity over quality. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> uh, again, having thought and reflected on this, I if I was going to pick a cuisine... I probably would go Italian. Okay. Um, I love my pizza. I love my pizza. I love my kind of spag bowl. I love my carbonara. My wife makes an amazing carbonara, which yep. um, hopefully I'm going to experience this week. So <laughs> I would probably go. I'd probably go Italian cuisine. And if you ever get a chance, last year after we got married, we kind of went away for a couple of days to the uh, Amalfi Coast, and amazing Italian food there. Really, yeah. Really, really good. So that kind of uh, solidified that uh, cuisine for me in terms of uh, yeah, Italian food. Would there be a specific dish? So while you were away uh, on the Amalfi Coast, was there a specific dish that you thought this is the best one? Um, I think if you, well, if you have like, you have pizza over here, it's very different to having pizza over there and the fact it's kind of fresh, homemade, uh, very thin in terms of the kind of, and also very light and you kind of, people just have it as a, sometimes people just have it walking around in the streets as a snack um i think uh the carbonara probably wasn't that we did have a carbonara out there but um amy my wife makes a really good one and i would probably in terms of ensuring (laughs) ensuring (laughs) that i don't annoy her i thought i would probably put that at the top and And it all depends on if if she makes it 23 minutes into the podcast we can definitely assure her that that her carbonara (laughs) is the top of the list when it comes yeah, to the food. Now, th- this is coming from a man who ordered steak at Nando's once. So, yes, uh, I've, that, I've been that, able to reflect on that experience and make sure that doesn't happen again, don't I? Yeah. And the, the, the same person that when I first met him told me that coffee was going to destroy my life. And now uh, the same man drinks two, three coffees a day, probably. <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm definitely on the kind of addict borderline with coffee. I had two <laughs> coffees. I had, had two coffees before I came on. Um, and I don't know whether or not I'm, don't know whether or not I'm a coffee connoisseur. I thought we need to experience a bit more variety, but I'm on that. I'm on that uh, kind of uh, trajectory. On the bandwagon. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Have you um, have you seen any of the Ashes series the um, on Amazon yet? Yeah, I got through that actually. So that was uh, one of the first things I did was watch the test on oh, Amazon yeah, Prime. Sorry, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. So that was really good. Uh, obviously, 
it's it, it's recapping the, kind of the 12 months from the whole sandpaper incident up until uh, the World Cup and then through the last year's Ashes series. Uh, so really interesting. Um, um, really interesting the, to look. Really the reason why I bring, Justin Angus. I bring it up because of the, the coffee. I can't remember the player now, but the one oh, who's grinding, yeah, yeah. grinding his own coffee, pouring his own coffee so lovingly whilst the rest of his team are playing cricket, I find hilarious. So... No, I remember, uh, I, yeah, I remember the scene. I can't remember who it is exactly, but he's taking it to he's taking it to the next level. Yeah, I think that's what we need to get you focused on to get you to the next level, making sure you're grinding <laughs> your own beans and things like that. Um, as I'm as I'm waiting, as I'm waiting to go out to bat. Yeah, well, we know that when you go out to bat, it doesn't last very long. So I suppose you no. could. No. <laughs> right, keep, if I start, probably keep that keep that uh, coffee keep that coffee lukewarm for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if we start to come towards the end of the podcast, um, we try and do the same thing again towards the end where we talk about a track of the week, a fact of the week and a quote or a thought of the week to leave everybody with. Um, and I, I spoke to you earlier just so you can get your head around some of these. So uh, I suppose the big one, the one that people are wanting is track of the week. So, uh, Mr. Brett Richmond, what is your track of the week? Uh, I'm going to go for, uh, it's, it's a big one, this, I'm going to go for Hey Jude and the Beatles. Okay, any reason why you're choosing that song? Uh, it's when I, so that the the three years that I spent at University of Exeter, which was a, a, an amazing experience uh, for a variety of reasons. We used to have, on a Saturday night, we used to have our kind of uh, local student union and little kind of a club. And that was the last song that was played out. On the night, and it's got, for me, it's got. I've got great memories, great images of us you know, as a community coming together. I think it's a great belter. You can kind of, you know, stand up with all your friends, arm in arm, and just belt it out. And also, as you'll probably remember, we played it at the wedding last year. That was the last song I think for everyone yeah. on the dance floor. So, yeah, for me, definitely a big one. Makes you smile, makes you happy. Just shout it, belt it out. One, to, one that I will add to the White Lion playlist once I get it up and running. Um, so the uh, fact of the week is going to come from me. And I, I think you're going to enjoy these facts because you've probably heard them a few times. But for the listeners, they might not have heard them. But our fact of the week is a bonus because I'm going to give you a few facts. Um, the first fact being one of my most famous ones that I repeat often is that Birmingham has more canals than Venice. That's the first fact. Very important. Very important yeah. uh, uh, I'm going to continue on the theme of Birmingham, um, but Birmingham has the highest proportion of parks uh, when compared to any European city, the best of which is Sutton Park in Sutton Coalfield, um, which might blow your mind a little bit to think, because everyone thinks of Birmingham, this industrial city. Actually, it's got the highest proportion of parks out of any European city. Great place. Great place. Probably the jewel of the British Isles, Sutton Coalfield. Um, great place. Great place. Okay. Great people as well. Yeah, great people. <laughs> um, so we're going to start to wrap this up with our quote of the week. Now, this is sort of, um, it, it spurred us, me and Mr. Brassington, on to think about some other things. But what would be your sort of leaving your quote of the week to try and wrap up this podcast? Well, I'm going to have to, um, I'm going to quote... Uh, Sir Isaac Newton in this okay. so it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a deep and meaningful one so uh, I think he quoted this around 1675 
Okay. Uh, but I, I do stand, I stand corrected. And his quote is, if I've seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Okay. So do you want to try and expand on why you've left that as our quote of the week then? Uh, for me, I, I've always liked it. And for me, it kind of encompasses learning from the giants who are kind of the part, the people in history that have made a huge impact on our life and society, learning from previous knowledge, which has been accumulated. And that kind of been able to see further. So being able to acquire new, acquire new knowledge and to, to kind of bring your head up a bit further so you can, you know, make better decisions, uh, perhaps chase that, that job that you really want or just become better as an overall person. So it's that kind of acquiring of knowledge and putting, and being able to see further. I, I think it's a really good quote. I think, I suppose that brings us almost full circle towards that self-improvement, the idea of continual professional development, always trying to get better, whether that's through online courses, books, podcasts, coaching, etc. So it all comes back to that really. And that's, that's a nice way to bring it all back around full circle. But before we do go, I wanted to talk to you about coaching briefly, because I know it's something that we talk quite a lot about, um, but it's worth just sort of picking up because I think the way we've sort of developed together through our sort of years of teaching and coaching and things like that, your coaching is, has become uh, sort of outstanding. And in its field, you, you you are in contact with a lot of really good people when it comes to coaching. So could you just give us a quick chat about your sort of coaching philosophy? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me, uh, and it, I think the most important thing with this is that it kind of evolves through time. And I was thinking earlier about my kind of philosophy of coaching when I first started, when I first started coaching probably in my second year at university, which was about 10 years ago, and how it's kind of evolved through more of a strength and conditioning approach. When I looked after the SNC, my yeah. kind of philosophy, I used to also look after the cricket at Bloxham and how that kind of affected it and changed it. I would probably say at the moment where I am is I want to try and, for me, I want to try and produce a kind of free thinking independent player who's able to make effective decisions on the pitch yeah. um, now for me that's got loads of kind of sides kind of words and brackets that you kind of put out so for me that kind of philosophy the game the game itself is the major tool it underpins that philosophy so how you use the game how can you adapt to the game to kind of support that philosophy and support those kind of key attributes so free thinking independent player it's also for me the image that portrays from that is it's quite fast messy and chaotic uh, environment in terms of when players are on the pitch but I don't yeah. think don't think that's a bad thing because I think the game whether it's rugby hockey football the game is fast the game can be messy the game is definitely chaotic so we need to probably do our best to prepare players for that and first and foremost it's player centred I, I want players to make effective decisions on their own. Uh, I know as a player and as a coach that during the heat of the battle, in the, in the moment, it's very difficult for the coach to kind of have much of an impact on a player. Yeah. And yeah, as most people can relate to, a lot of it's just white noise when if your coach is trying to get messages across or scream or shout at you. So getting players to be able to think on their own and almost own the game is really important for me. 
Yeah, I think that's something that I've I've certainly learned from you and uh, a lot of CPD opportunities that you, you get me involved in and stuff like that. I know my coaching philosophy uh, has um, been very, very similar, which is all about sort of who can deal with the mess, who can clean up the mess and make the best out of it. Uh, certainly in hockey, if you send a, a bouncing ball to a player, that, that has now created a mess. But who's going to be the one to clean it up and make it better is normally the team that can uh, score more goals, which is at the end of the day, what, what everybody on the pitch wants to do. Um, but certainly empowering players, I think, is a, a strong philosophy to have because they're the ones uh, on the pitch, whether we're sort of on the sidelines, um, which is uh, important to remember. But do you think your coaching philosophy has impacted you uh, in the classroom? Because I know recently you went through your PGCE, NQT um, uh, and PE teaching stuff. So do you think your coaching impacts your teaching? Uh, yeah, massively. I mean, I I found that PGCE really difficult um, and a really hard year. Very very rewarding. Don't get me wrong, but it was so, it was really difficult because it was definitely a clash in terms of philosophical and you know, kind of the theories of learnings and the kind of the the environment that the the environment that they would want you to teach him. I found quite difficult, but then at the same time over the course of the year, you realise that, for example, the teaching standards that are there, I think are very good teaching standards and they're standards that as teachers and as professionals, we should all look to hit and adhere to. And you, you kind of make it your own. You can, there's no, there's so many different ways of teaching and the same with coaching, there's so many different ways of coaching and a lot of it's context dependent. You can have a massive impact on a variety of students through certain aspects of those kind of philosophies or approaches. Yeah. But there was definitely, there was definitely, um, I think I was probably quite, quite guilty of going into a classroom, whether it be a practical P lesson or an A level P lesson and trying to teach it or coach it like a, my, one of my rugby sessions. Right. Yeah. Which I probably, yeah, came, came a bit unstuck on and found it quite difficult and probably wasn't the best learning environment for my, students at the time but it was somewhere where you managed to learn and you managed to grow um uh, and get an opportunity out of it again so uh, yeah that's just whenever that's mainly through sorry that's mainly through you just that pc year you just have to you have to accept that you're going to fail and you're going to make mistakes quite a lot and you're going to you're going to you're going to you're going to trip up basically and you just have to reflect use your mentor which is a massively important tool and constantly kind of hone your craft um because i again was probably quite guilty of going into that pc year thinking i've been teaching for i think it was maybe my sixth or seventh my sixth or seventh year thinking well you know this is gonna be easy i've been doing this for the last six or seven years and mm. i should be able to breeze this but actually puts you under a lot of pressure and tests you and definitely makes you think about the ways that you do things and the ways you, the way you put things together. That's brilliant. Uh, so I suppose uh, to wrap us up, could you just repeat your quote of the week for us, please? Then, of course, uh, it is. If I if I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. And I think that is how we're going to wrap up the podcast today, which uh, to say thank you first of all to Mr. Richmond for coming on. Uh, some great pieces of advice there. Uh, and a fantastic track of the week as well, which hopefully pupils will enjoy. 
Thank you very much, Mr. Yates, for having me. It's been really good fun. It's been a pleasure. Perfect. Thanks. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Cheers.